At Christmas, we celebrated how the birth of Jesus meant that God is with us. And now at Easter, we celebrate how God is for us. On Friday, we remember Jesus's death on the cross for us. And today, Easter Sunday, we celebrate his resurrection, the fact that he is risen. This is truly good news. And it's why Easter Sunday is often described as the birthday of hope. And after the year we've all had, I think we could all do with a bit of hope. But what exactly is this hope that Easter brings? Well, firstly, you can know personal hope. You see, one day you will also rise from the dead. Death is no longer the end. At the start of the Bible, it explains how death entered creation. Due to the sin and disobedience of Adam and Eve, death had been the consequence. It was the curse upon humankind. But as it says in Deuteronomy chapter 21 and Galatians 3.13, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus hung on the cross, the tree, and took the curse upon himself in our place so that we can be forgiven our sins and disobedience and inherit eternal life. The evidence that the cross of Jesus worked and actually defeated the curse of death, the evidence is the resurrection of Jesus. St. Paul describes uh, the risen Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, now that Jesus's resurrection has defeated death, you will also be raised from the dead at the end of time. And through your faith in Christ, you will receive the gift of eternal life. I mean, what hope? Death is not the end. Now you might be thinking, okay, but did Jesus really rise from the dead? Well, there are essentially four pieces of evidence for the resurrection. The first is the empty tomb that first Easter Sunday, when the women went to the tomb, the two Marys. He wasn't there. Now, some people might say, well, hold on. Maybe the disciples, his followers, so distraught that he'd been crucified, maybe they stole the body. But this is unlikely because when you look at what happened to the disciples subsequently, all of them, bar John, all of them were executed. They were killed in just terrible ways for their faith, for the fact that they were going around saying, he is risen, Jesus is alive. If they'd stolen the body and they knew it was a, lie, a, a complete lie, they wouldn't have been prepared to die in those ways for him. Others might say, well, maybe the authorities stole the body. But you see, as the Christian faith, this amazing movement began to grow and grow rapidly, the authorities were constantly trying to stop it, constantly trying to uh, stop it from spreading and suppress it. If they had Jesus's dead body, all they needed to do was just say, no, he's not risen. Look, we've got the body. But they didn't do that because they didn't have it. He'd risen. 
Others say, well, maybe grave robbers stole the body. But again, this is not the case. The only thing of value worth stealing from a grave is not the body, but the grave clothes that the body was wrapped in. And in the other gospel accounts, we read how that when the woman looked in the tomb, they saw folded up neatly the grave clothes that Jesus had been wearing. The disciples had not stolen the body. The authorities had not stolen the body. Even robbers had not stolen the body. Why? Because Jesus had risen from the dead. The second piece of evidence is the appearance of the risen Jesus himself to his disciples. First of all, in uh, Matthew's gospel, we read how the two Marys, uh, that's Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, they, they go to the tomb and they encounter the risen Jesus. But it wasn't just them. Jesus then appeared to over 500 people on 11 different occasions over a six week period after his resurrection. That's amazing. That's a lot of eyewitnesses. That would stand up in a court of law. The third piece of evidence is the radical change in the disciples once they'd encountered the risen Jesus. You see, although Jesus had told them that he would rise from the dead, actually the angel says that to the women, doesn't he, in verse six of our reading. The angel says, he has risen just as he said. Although Jesus had told them this before the cross, the disciples hadn't quite understood it. So that when Jesus was crucified, his disciples, or should I say his male disciples, uh, they'd fled. They were terrified. They went into hiding, afraid for their lives. But once they see the risen Jesus, they completely change. They become bold, fearless, unafraid, and they go around telling the whole world, he is risen. What else could have changed them so radically? And then the final uh, piece of evidence, the fourth piece, is the experience of billions of Christians down the ages who have a relationship with the living Jesus, including 2.5 billion Christians alive today. That's one third of the world. I remember when I was uh, a boy at school, I was aged about 14. Uh, there was a clergyman who came into our assembly and spoke to us. His name was Reverend Robin Craig. And I remember he spoke and went through those four pieces of evidence for the resurrection that I've just told you. And although I was not a Christian at the time, although I didn't believe in that moment, what he said, I remembered. And it sort of planted a seed in me, which years later, when I read the gospel accounts for myself in the New Testament, eventually that seed would grow into faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe that today, as you heard me just then explain those four pieces of evidence for the resurrection, I believe that some watching this, a seed has been planted in you. Or if you share this service with someone you know, a seed will be planted in them. And Jesus one day will cause it to grow into faith in him. You know, Jesus had been born with a purpose, to save the world by dying on the cross for us and rising to new life. And actually there's lots of parallels between the announcement of the birth of Jesus by an angel and now the announcement 
of the resurrection of Jesus here in Matthew's gospel by an angel as well. The angel first announced the birth of Jesus to shepherds, an unlikely rabble whose testimony would not have carried much weight. And likewise, the angel announces the resurrection first to the two Marys. They had been at the cross and they'd also witnessed the burial of Jesus. And now they witness his resurrection too. But again, they are an unlikely choice because under Jewish law at the time, a woman's testimony was not deemed valid in a court of law. You might think that you're an unlikely sort of person for this whole church business. Or you might think it's unlikely that God would love you or choose you. But you know, that's not the case. I want to tell you, God loves you unconditionally. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose from the dead for you. This hope of resurrection, this message is for you. In the reading in uh, Matthew's gospel, the angel moves the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. But it's interesting, he didn't do this so that Jesus could get out. Jesus had already risen. No, no, the angel rolled the stone away so that the women could see in. The angel says to them in verse six, come and see where he lay. The tomb is open for you, as it were. Why not come and see for yourself? With eyes of faith, you can see the resurrection today. The first words of the angel to the shepherds at the birth of Jesus are also the first words of the angel to the women at his resurrection. And those words are, do not be afraid. And the resurrection means that you can swap fear for joy. You no longer need be afraid of death. It's not the end, it's been defeated. And the angel said to the shepherds at Jesus' birth, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. And at the resurrection, after the angel says, don't be afraid, uh, we then read this of the women. This is Matthew 28, verse eight. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. The women were filled with joy. And then they actually meet the risen Jesus. And the first words that he says to them is, greetings. Now, this word, which was a common greeting at the time, actually means rejoice. The word is karete, rejoice. And the first time that this word karete is used in Matthew's gospel was when the magi, the wise men, see the star come to rest over the place in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. It says that when they saw that, they rejoiced greatly, karete. And this joy always leads us to worship. 
the women clasp the feet of the risen Jesus and they worship him just as the Magi had at his birth. So on that final day, you can know that you will be resurrected physically as well. But in the meantime, as you put your faith in the risen Jesus, you will find that things in your life that perhaps you thought were over may start to be resurrected. New life will begin to break out in the here and now in your life. So for example, maybe dreams that you've given up on, God will start to resurrect. Or maybe friendships or relationships that you thought were beyond repair will begin to be resurrected. Maybe the excitement and awe that you once had as a child in the simple things of life, maybe that will be resurrected in you again. What would you like God to resurrect in your life today? You can know joy and this personal hope of resurrection today. That's the first uh, way in which we can have hope today. But there's a second hope that the resurrection brings. It's hope for the whole of creation. You see, the resurrection of Jesus initiates a new era. It is the sign that recreation has begun. I mentioned on Good Friday how Jesus's death on the cross won a victory against all the powers of darkness and evil in the world. The resurrection of Jesus is the manifestation of that victory. It's proof. And it, the, the resurrection is the beginning of the process through which God is now redeeming and recreating the whole world, which will culminate with his return at the end of time, the return of Jesus, when there will be the res resurrection of all who have died and all things will be perfected and healed with a new heaven and a new earth. In Revelation chapter 21, the risen Jesus says, see, I am making all things new. He doesn't say, see, I'm making all new things, but he says, see, I'm making all things new. He's recreating. And this began with his resurrection. And it's why in verse one of Matthew 28, our, our passage today, it's why it begins with all of this eschatological language and symbols. So we read of earthquakes and an angel and appearance like lightning and brilliant white clothing. We get similar imagery in, for example, Exodus 19 with lightning and earthquakes when Moses is given the law on top of Mount Sinai. Or we read of brilliant white and shining clothes in Daniel's vision of Jesus in Daniel chapter 7. And in our Matthew passage today, we see how the guards at the tomb, those epitomizing the old era, they shake and become like the dead. Whilst he who was dead, Jesus, comes alive and ushers in new creation. We are part, in other words, of something far greater than we realize. The Christian faith, yes, it is about personal salvation, but it's not just about that. It's about playing our part 
in the renewing of the whole of creation that Jesus has begun. Spiritual, ecological, economical, relational renewal and transformation for the good. Please hear me, this is a vision big enough, not only to attract you to the Christian faith, but it's a vision big enough to keep you motivated with purpose for the whole of eternity. And what should our response be? Well, not only does the angel say, come and see to the women, but both the angel and then importantly, the risen Jesus, tell the women to go and tell. This is a message that everyone needs to hear. Jesus tells the women to go and tell the other disciples and to tell them to go to Galilee where they will see him. In Matthew's gospel, chapter four, it refers to how Jesus's uh, ministry began in, quote, Galilee of the Gentiles. And it was in Galilee that the risen Jesus, at the end of Matthew's gospel, gives the disciples the great commission to go to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and make disciples of all nations, panta to ethne, of all ethnicities, whatever your, whatever your ethnicity is, this is a message of hope for you. And Jesus first entrusted this message of the hope of the resurrection to two women. As I said before, an, an unlikely choice for the first century culture in Israel. Just as the news of his birth was first entrusted to unlikely shepherds, who did come and see and then go and tell, rejoicing in all that they'd seen and heard. So the women become the first carriers of the good news of the resurrection. The women were the last at the cross, the first at the tomb, and the first to proclaim, he is risen. No one is excluded. Everyone needs to hear. And by listening to this, watching this, I believe Jesus has chosen you. You can share the link to this service with someone as a way to share this message of hope. You can invite a friend to try Alpha Online, 8 p.m. on Wednesday. You can share the love of God by your kind deeds or the way you go about your work or the way you treat your family members or the way you help the elderly, or even just the way you speak, letting your yes be a yes and your no be a no. And of course, we proclaim this good news through our worship of the Lord Jesus with joy, just as the women did on that first Easter Sunday. If at Christmas, we celebrated the birth of Jesus as God with us today, we celebrate the fact that Jesus's death and resurrection proves that God is for us. And that is amazing hope. Amen.